Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Yes, we're back. It's Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Although it's not Rick and Nick, still... Uh, they are buried in all the cash that's been made by Endgame, so they can have fun with that. I believe I saw one of them, I think it might have been Nick, diving into it like, like Scrooge McDuck. So he can have fun with that, diving into his pile of gold. Dave and I, meanwhile, we are the common men, and we work hard and keep this podcast rolling. So, What a nice arrangement for them. They happen to wander on set. Their ankles made it on screen, the final product, so they managed to get some sort of a deal. So their ankles appearing in Endgame got them enough profit that they didn't feel like showing up to work today. Good for them. Or ever. Good for them. Good for for them. They they make... A split second appearance on screen and it's still enough to earn all the money that they'll ever need in their lives. I heard they ran through set running from the police. So that's, you know, g- g- how nice for them. Really? <laughs> so they, they basically pulled a kind of a Monty Python? Sort of. A little bit? Sort of. What was that story about, you know, they were filming some uh, cops episode or something and bad guys showed up on set and thought they were real cops and surrendered to them. Something like that. Really? That was a true story, by the way. I want to say that was like SVU or something like that. I don't remember. I read it. No way. I've read it, yeah. They turned the corner and here's a bunch of cops with their rubber guns drawn on set. And the bad guys thought they were in trouble. They surrendered to the actors. Here's what I'll (laughs) say to that. They filmed enough Law & Order episodes that you'd think that at some point something crazy like that might happen. Hey, how about... There's like a million episodes of that show. Props to me. I called it SVU and not SUV, you know. (laughs) It's 100 Law & Order episodes. That's right. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm uh, Guten Tag, Dave. Yeah, Dave has been testing out his accents a little bit today, so it's like Rick and Nick International a little bit today. Actually, the Cannes Film Festival is coming up here, so you would need to have more of a French accent, though. But you got to have people come over from over the pond. You do. So my son has got this show, and there's a little guy on this show he likes with this German accent, and well, we were watching it this morning, and so now it's stuck in my head. Oh, I see. <laughs> anyway, so Boss I'm, Baby I'm back in business. I'm interested what show. Boss Baby back. It's oh, based it was. on the, It's based on the movie. Okay. And one of the CEOs for the company is this little mega fat CEO German baby. Wow, I didn't realize they had gone into TV now. But. Oh, Netflix, yeah. It's, okay. a, it's, it's a nice show. It's a good show. After you've seen it the 20th time each episode, not so enjoyable. You're ready to see it go and mock the big fat CEO baby. That's what they call him in the show. Well, they've made enough of a mark that they've got parents like you starting to talk in accents now, so I suppose it's working. Better that than, you know, circa 1990-something, and all the parents were having to talk like Barney. Boy, I missed that. (laughs) Dodge that bullet. Yeah. uh, We we watched a little bit of that when I was a kid, but only a little. So let's get into sponsorship. Rick and Nick is sponsored by Bemidji Theater, and we're glad to have the Bemidji Theater on board as a a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, You can go there for $5 movie nights on Tuesdays, 
Bemidji Theater is also in our Big Deals store as well, so you can get um, you can get a ticket for a discount on there as well. Although the comp ticket that you buy there. You may have to wait a couple of weeks to be able to use it on some movies. Especially, uh, especially the new the releases. New releases and big new releases in particular. Um, so keep that in mind as well. It's been a couple of weeks, so you could probably get into Avengers Endgame with a comp ticket now, I, I think. I think you could. Double yeah. check. Double it, check. We're at around that cutoff point, so keep that in mind. But we're glad to have Bemidji Theater on board as the sponsor of the Rick and Nick Talk Flicks podcast. I think they're breathing easier over there with the wave of crescendo that was the Avengers finally subsiding a little bit. Yeah, the money has been raking in. The Avengers is are, are shooting up the uh, the list in terms of all-time box office marks. And I was remarking to you, Dave, that globally, I think we're on our way to a new record. Yeah. Dom- domestically, it's maybe not as much of a slam dunk as it was on if... Avengers can catch up to Avatar, can catch up to Star Wars. The pace has slowed a little bit there, but still just making incredible money. Although we'll see what happens now with some of the other movie releases that are coming up. Well, you know, two weeks, at least from the date we're recording this, till Memorial Weekend, which is always a big one. It's going to have some more competition. So who knows? It's not over yet, but, um, you know, and also we touched base real quick off uh, off mic. Very classy, Jim Cameron putting a trade in uh, Variety with a picture of the Avengers logo sinking the Titanic as Avatar or as uh, Avengers passed Titanic all-time <laughs> box office and that was no small feat either. That was really classy and kind of funny too. So we'll see if they sink Jim Cameron's ultimate uh, Avatar, which by the way the sequel's now got pushed off an additional year 2021 I think. 2022, something like that. Yep. So they're pushing them off a little bit, but that's a whole other topic. Actually, I should correct myself. I think the Avengers is it's going to catch Avatar domestically, it looks like. The question is, will it catch Star Wars The Force Awakens, which was $936 million domestically? Well, they just crossed $700 million. There's $700 something. $720. Right now, and yep. they're a couple, they're like $3 billion or whatever the number is worldwide. I mean, that's, I mean, we're not talking small change. We're talking the air is very thin up where this movie is, and it just launched two weeks ago. That's right. So that's, that's something. Yeah, we'll see what kind of pace it can do if it's going to catch up to Star Wars for the domestic number. Uh, worldwide, globally, it looks like it's in good shape to surpass, I believe, Avatar is up there for that one. But maybe James Cameron is feeling okay about it passing because he feels that once his other movies come out, he'll do pretty good business with them. Although that's going to really test the limits of how much do the people want this with how long we're actually having to wait for them. Yeah, over 10 years, so by the time they ultimately come out, but that's that's an interesting discussion, one probably one for another time, but it's uh it's interesting. Yes. Maybe one for another time because today is our summer movie preview for 2019 as a couple of episodes ago, we took a look at what was forthcoming going into pretty much this month and, and the end of the month of May. We went all the way up through, I think, Rocket Man, which is coming out May 31st, and we, we got a good look at what was on the way for springtime and you know, into May. And interestingly enough, even though Avengers Endgame came out in April, like last year with Infinity War... It pretty much was a summer movie that just came out way earlier. Summer, according to Hollywood, starts earlier and earlier and earlier. It'll be two weeks after Christmas, and the first summer movie will be coming out if they get it their way. Um, so, who's, you know, depending on your perspective, Avengers probably going to have a real legitimate chance, if not a slam dunk chance, unless Star Wars knocks it out come Christmas time. 
as maybe the number one movie of 2019 and could be the biggest summer movie if you want to look at it that way. Yeah. Depends on your perspective, I guess. So, but we'll see. There's going to be a couple of contenders throwing their hat in the ring. And uh, like we said, Memorial Weekend, kind of the unofficial kickoff. We did cover that with um, the spring preview. That was toward the end of the episode. So between Rocketman and uh, Aladdin and, um, oh, what's the other one coming out? Memorial Weekend. Uh, have it a brain fart. That doesn't matter. But we're, we can go listen to the end of the uh, spring preview episode, and that'll That's right. kind of bring you up to speed for Memorial Weekend. We're but, here for summer, summer, summer time. Summertime, summertime. So Boobies here we are. We're going even with different songs there. Summertime, summertime. Some movies in the summertime. That's a good choice, though. Yeah, I was I was going more the uh, the Will Smith route there. Oh, the Fresh Prince, but. Yeah. It ended up working out pretty well, though. I, I got what up. you were doing there, that tie-in with Aladdin. I got gotcha. you. Which is getting earlier, That's better true, buzz, yeah. by the way. Is I it should getting mention. good buzz? It's getting better buzz. It's uh, When people first saw you know him in blue, not even a trailer, just a picture, they're like, really? And so numbers are only going up now. Some, okay. of, some of the early screenings have happened, and while they're saying it's not going to beat the animated original, um, it's not bad. So stay tuned with the final, final judgment on that. Let's start with June 7th and we'll Big weekend. Yeah, we'll begin there and it's it's a pretty good starter to to the summertime although I still really wonder how this movie's going to turn out. X-Men Dark Phoenix will be hitting theaters then. It is essentially the final movie of the X-Men run under Fox before Disney acquired X-Men and that in, that includes what's coming up with uh with the uh the Mutants one. Um is it the New Mutants? New Mutants, but there's They've a lot pushed of, it off. There's a lot of talk now. Disney just put out a big slate of movies, which also includes Fox movies, that altered the landscape a little bit. And one of them, a couple just got scrapped, and one of them is rumored to be New Mutants. It's so, still on the list. It's still on the list, but there's a lot of indication that they're, for what reason or another, they're going to push it off, and what indication that might have to do with X-Men or Deadpool, because he's supposed to kind of tie into that. X-Force is another one that might be pushed off, which is kind of a cross between X-Men and Deadpool, so, so stay tuned. It's not it's not for sure what exactly is happening with this whole merger thing and what's going to be for the future. So between, Because it made the list. So it's that's... on the list, but there's a lot of folks behind the scenes. Well, it's on the list, but there's nothing going forward, and people are expecting this and that. So at this point, it's rumor and innuendo. Take it with whatever grain of salt you want, but it looks like X-Force has probably bit the dust, at least for now. New Mutants, stay tuned. Okay. But we can't say for sure. One interesting note is that this would be, as far as I'm aware, the last official movie from 20th Century Fox would be the new X-Men movie, and then that's it. Everything else is going to be Disney Fox, or whatever the terminology would be. As far as the story goes, Dark Phoenix is just continuing with the more or less time reboot that we have had here with the newer characters playing the... uh, the, the old X Men crew, yeah, yeah be- which began with First Class, and now we're on to Dark Phoenix. Um, after Ap- Apocalypse, which was just an okay movie um, in terms of both gross and critical response, I'm really curious what we're going to get here with Dark Phoenix and how they try to treat the Dark Phoenix storyline after X Men Three: The Last Stand infamously did not do very well in that regard. Yeah, that was the last one to touch. Uh, last uh, Red Red Phoenix, Dark Phoenix. 
This is, um, I don't know, and one of the interesting things about this is the tracking numbers, which charts to look down the future is to see who's getting interested and who's thinking of buying tickets. The tracking numbers for this are lower than you would expect. So, and the, the, you know, as we get closer to the June 7th weekend, interest will grow, promotion will kick in, maybe those numbers will go up, but... Compared to things like, say, Days of Future Past, which was probably the the high water mark for the X Men first class cast, anyway, which kind of unified the original and the first class cast, this is not living up to that necessarily. I, I don't know. Stay tuned. This is an interesting one. I don't think X Men is bombing by any stretch. No, they've all done well. They've not any one of them bombed, even if Apocalypse wasn't all it could have been. It. Stay tuned. I think the X-Men are feeling the impact of the Marvel world that we are in now as far as the frequency of superhero movies that we see, especially getting churned out by Marvel. The X-Men, they're they're the originals, really. They are the originals. You go back to the original X-Men from 2000, that was like the original in terms of superhero movies and team-ups in the modern day. And we're talking almost 20 years since that happened like they they set the tone they set the precedent for what we have seen today with superhero movies and and then they found a way to do a great reboot with it i first class is an awesome yeah, movie it is. and and i love days of future past as well but it, it's like i think they are starting to feel the weight of the superhero movie world that we are in now a little bit with the way that the last couple of movies have gone so we'll see how dark phoenix ends up turning out and playing out now as well. I you know I I don't know if I subscribe fully to that because I well, I've said many times as a question well at some point the superhero bubble's got to burst. Maybe this is it, maybe it's a possibility. Yeah. Or you don't get to numbers like Avengers Endgame and then point to say well there's a fatigue. No, not not with numbers like this there's not. People are clearly going to see it. Now, it's as Avengers and MCU versus, you know, which is still Marvel property, the X-Men, but they're not part of the MCU, at least not yet. That will probably change because I'm sure Disney will pick it up and go. But something is not quite in full of bloom as it was at one point. The reason why, I don't know if I'm ready to say that it's because of fatigue. Maybe. Maybe it's fringe fatigue. It could be, but I mean, this was... Not that long ago, a huge property. When an X-Men movie was coming out, people were, (sighs) I mean, you get the fanboys that are crazy for it, but I mean, everybody seems to be looking at it like, I don't know, some just another movie. So who knows? When when the promotion really starts to kick in in the next week or two, things could really change. Stay tuned. But this would be an interesting one to touch base on, and I'm sure in a future episode, once it's out and the, the numbers start hitting the wall, we might have something to say about it, but... I don't know it's it's interesting. I did not think that this would be tracking as low as it is. Right. But stay tuned. Secret Life of Pets 2 also comes out that same weekend. Did uh, you see lot... the first one? I did not see the first one. This, no. is, this is the nice thing of having a kiddo. You get to watch kid movies again. We watched the first one. It was a fun movie. It was really cute, really sweet, really nice, funny. You know, it's something the kids like and adults like, sometimes for different reasons in the same moments. It's like the Pets version of Toy Story, right? A little bit. A little bit. But this was fun. The first one was great. And so the sequel, as a parent, I look forward to this. So Secret Life of Pets 2... Uh, this is one for the kids, but, you know, parents that get dragged to the kiddie movies, I think nowadays they generally get easier than they used to be. Okay. This would be a good one. The following weekend, we've got a couple of interesting options that are in play here. One is an interesting cast pairing. One is a familiar cast pairing in a familiar series. 
And one is calling upon decades of previous yeah. mythology, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Where do we start here with uh, the weekend of June 14th? Well, the big title that's going to grab people's eyes is Men in Black International. This would be technically be the fourth movie, but really it's kind of a spin-off reboot, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones are gone. They're not in this anymore. Basically, there's Will of uh, Men in Black is now a franchise all over the world, and so this is a more international version. This has got Chris Hemsworth trading in his Thor cape for the the black suit and sunglasses and neuralizer. Um, and Tessa Thompson turning and, in her Valkyrie suit and yeah. her horse for hanging out with Thor and and doing Men in Black. Which is kind of funny when Isn't you think it about it. It's yeah. the, they kind of team up as Thor and now they're teaming up as Men in Black. So who knows? Maybe it's Men in When well, we did say spoilers, right? Spoilers, we say so there are spoilers. So one last chance, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. And you've been warned. So Thor gets on the ship with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe this is where he goes. He joins a Men in Black International something. He's from a different world, so it would work, right? Well, then Valkyrie ditched new Asgard as well because she became the new queen. Yeah, that's true. So, But it could be interesting. I I personally think the bloom is kind of off the rolls here with this might be a jumping of the shark moment. Or it could be like X-Men First Class that really breathe new life into it. Stay tuned. I like the duo. Chris Hemsworth is really good. I think Tessa Thompson is awesome. She yeah. is a big time up and comer now. I mean, she kind of really hit the um the mainstream with Creed and then yeah. becoming Valkyrie, that really got her into the mainstream full force. I, I think they're both really good, and I think the duo is really good. It's just, has Men in Black gone too far as, in terms of story and in terms of interest? Well, you know, Men in Black 2 is the low point, I think. The third one, I think, brought it back. That was a good one. It was quirky and fun in all the right ways. Um, that's what it needs to be. Clearly, Thor's got, you know, Chris Hemsworth has got some great comedic skills. You know, he really had those on display in Endgame. And Tessa Thompson, she doesn't really shine as a comedic actress, but she's got some great acting chops. And she's had some good moments as Valkyrie with some humorous moments. And she she's a good line deliverer. I, yeah. I like the way that she brings that she delivers lines, whether it's serious or funny. She's just got a good intensity about her with that. Yeah. So this this could work. This is one of those. I've, I give it a coin flip. It's either going to be yeah, it's just, they sh- they've jumped the shark here, or this is this is new life, a la X Men First Class. So stay tuned on that. Uh, another one, kind of near and dear to my heart, Shaft. But this is really, really interesting. Not only do you have a brand new Shaft, you're bringing back both of the others. Now, Richard Roundtree in the seventies. That's the that's the famous original Shaft. The original John yep. Shaft, detective. You know, so this is back when seventies. Uh, you could almost call it black exploitation back in the seventies, but it was straight. You know, it was it was done right. So he's basically his own version of Dirty Harry before Dirty Harry. Yeah. And uh, and then they did a remake in around 2000, I think, with Samuel L. Jackson as Shaft. They're both back. And now you have a new Shaft. I'm having a brain fart here. Who's the new Shaft? The new Shaft is Jesse T. Usher. Yeah, yeah. So you've got three Shafts, so to speak, or at least three actors that have played Shaft in one. It looks interesting. But it looks like taking the source material, if you're a fan of Shaft or you have no idea what Shaft is, it looks like a good place to jump on, and it pays homage to the original in a couple of different ways, and the remake, which was also well-received. This could be another continuation, an update 20 years after the last remake. 
uh, 40 years after the 40 plus years after the original but original. But a chance for new people to learn Come what on Shaft board. is all about. Yeah. I, you know, and I love this so much that when we were doing, uh, we used to do 70s weekends, that was my name was Shaft. So That's right, Dave that's Shaft where, Brooks. That's where it came from. But uh, it's definitely worth looking into. And then, same weekend, June 14th, you got Men in Black, you got Shaft, and now you've got The Dead Don't Die. What an interesting duo. Adam Driver and Bill Murray (laughs) taking on zombies? Here's the funny part, though. Bill Murray returns to the land of zombies after his memorable cameo in Zombieland. Yes. So now he's going to actually have a full-fledged, full part in it. It's it looks kind of in that genre of Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland where it's it's a comedy horror movie, um, and you're going to throw Bill Murray in there and Adam Driver. You don't see him in a lot of comedies. You might know him best as Kylo Ren from Star Wars, and but he's shown up and done a couple of comedic roles. He's he's lampooned Star Wars on Saturday Night Live. He does have some comedic chops. He is incredibly versatile. Oh yeah. So to have and the throw in the oh, the whole zombie thing that genre i don't think will ever fully die it rises it falls but it never goes away if it's done right Shaun of the dead one of my all-time favorite movies uh zombie land it's a hoot this could be in that vein so horror comedy zombie movie with bill murray and adam driver the there's, dead don't die there's also tilda swinton is in it yeah they've got uh steve buscemi danny glover really interesting cast I, you know and good scripts good story Selena good Gomez talent, is in it. It attracts talent. And so clearly it looks like people are like, are you doing what? Oh, I want to be in. I want this. You know, that's why you get Kate Blanchett. You don't recognize her, but she's under the mask in Shaun of the Dead. She was Shaun's girlfriend in the hazmat suit. You, you don't even see anything but her eyes. But she was like, yeah, I, that sounds like a hoot. I love you guys. I'll do it. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll keep that's an, a big weekend. We'll keep an eye on that one then. Yeah, because that you're right. That is a pretty big weekend. The following weekend, another big weekend. Two pretty big ones that are coming up. Toy Story Four is in the mix for June twenty first. So mark it down. Uh, the crew is back, um, and here's here's all that I'm reading on it. They are trying to rescue a homemade toy uh, when he and Woody get separated from the group during a road trip. That's that's it. There's not much that's really known about this. Key and Peel have voiced a couple of toys in in these uh, teaser spots that they've had. That's it. There's not much known. Then that's kind of the idea. you got trailers coming out now. A lot of people thought Toy Story 3, tearjerker that it was, was a great ending. And according to Tom Hanks and Tim Allen that do, of course, Buzz and Woody, are saying, we thought the same thing. But now, this story, this is a great story, and this is a great way to end it. So Toy Story 4, will it be the last one? It's getting the impression that yes. Um, but who knows, Toy Story 5 down the road. If you make the kind of money that Toy Story has with Pixar and Disney's acquisitions, yeah. Um, but this is one that families and kids, geez, kids that you know that were kids, the first Toy Story movie, are now bringing their kids to go see yeah. Toy Story 4. That's really something, too. And even my kiddo's getting into Toy Story. So this might be, we're planning to take him to see it. He's seen one and two. We'll get around to three, and then we'll probably take him to see four. I hope it works. I, you know, I, there's, that's, there's, that's all I'll say. There's no reason to think it won't. These guys have pulled rabbits out of their hats, and you know, some of the Pixar stuff has not quite got the magic that it was. But this is the holy grail when it comes to Pixar movies. You don't think they're going to drop the ball? I just wonder if they're ever going to stop rolling the ball 
or will it continue to roll on and on and on? Hey, as far as we know, at the end of this movie, Buzz and Woody and the gang wind up in a bin at Goodwill. So, you know, and that'll be a tearjerker. You know, who knows? But then you go from fun, nostalgic toys to killer toys with Child's Play the same weekend. Also a little nostalgic. Yeah, it's a reboot. It's a straight reboot. But you should also mention, did you see the poster that they did? No. So there's one of the posters that they did for Toy Story 4 where it's just they did character posters. And here's but here's uh, here's Woody the cowboy, just him with sort of a particular color to the background, and that's it, just a character poster. And then Child's Play took the exact same background. They took a similar looking cowboy, altered it enough to not run into lawsuits, and now you've got him murdered, and now you get Chucky's foot walking no. off. And I mean, and if you go to the theater, you get the two posters right by each other. And you're like, oh, A, you wonder what Disney's going to say about that. And B, that's funny. And Child's Play <laughs> has kind of evolved into something from what it started at. This is Chucky the Doll, and there's been a whole bunch of those. The first Child Play was a legitimate horror movie, campy but horror movie. And they've become a little more Freddy Krueger-esque, where he's more of an anti-hero kind of type. And this is going to go that route. But now you've got Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill, voicing Chucky the doll. Um, this There's a lot of hype around it. Is it going to live up to it? It very well could. I don't know. If Child's Play wasn't your thing even from the get-go, this might not be your thing anyway. But it's worth looking into, especially with Biting Wit. Just the poster alone makes me want to see it. Why is Mark Hamill always the good guy when he's on screen and the bad guy when he's off screen but you hear his voice? Well, here's the funny part. You think, <laughs> think about this dynamic. So Last Jedi comes out and even Mark Hamill, even before the movie came out, was on record for saying, I'm not sure if I'm on board for what they're trying to do here. And so now yeah. then the movie's out and Mark Hamill is still like, hey, this guy can do what he wants, but still I don't agree with everything. So he's kind of a thorn in Disney's side. And now he's going up against Toy Story 4. So now he's sort of the Mark man for Disney. <laughs> There's kind of an interesting dynamic here, but uh, it is what it is. But that's going to be, you know, could you imagine going to the multiplex Go to the Bemidji Theaters, great spot to see a movie, and parents are going to go into Child's Play, and kids are going to go to Toy Story 4. They're both watching toy movies. We'll meet you afterward, kids. <laughs> oh, boy. Could, could be interesting. Yeah, well, I thought you were just saying parents would go take their kids to Toy Story 4, but you're saying some parents might say, all right, you go that way, I'm going to go this way. You know, I've, I'd gone to see, I think it, when I was a kid, I went and saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and my parents went to see Dead Poet Society. Because the shows were at the exact same time. They were pretty much the same running time. And uh, the theater let us do it. So, no problem. All right. So, I'm, I'm sure somebody still does that at some point. So, On to the, the final weekend in June, which is a combination of Wednesday, June 26th, because that's when Annabelle Comes Home comes out. And then Friday, June 28th, when we have Yesterday coming to theaters. Yeah. Well, first, you've got uh, Annabelle Come Home. This is a uh, Conjuring spinoff. You know, you had the, the haunted doll, Annabelle. They had uh, the spinoff, Annabelle. So this was the... They've already done a sequel, Annabelle 2, didn't they? Or is this the sequel? I can't... There's now becoming too many that I can't keep tabs on how many there are. But this is one of those Conjuring slash Annabelle the Haunted Doll spinoffs. Uh, and it does look to have some more direct crossover to the Conjuring series. I know Vera Vermaga is in this. Uh, who, of course, plays Estelle Warren, who we should note just in real life passed away, not Vera, but uh, her character, Estelle Warren, from the, she finally passed away. Um, so there's that. Okay. Um, but, th- you know, this could be interesting. 
they they clearly have a little bit of gas in the tank for this. The Conjuring thing is working this kind of connected universe that they're doing. Um, so who knows? The Conjuring seems to be the mate and potatoes. This is the side garnish, but um, we'll see if there's any good parsley here. As it typically goes with horror, if you find something that works, you just run with it and run with it. There, at some point, you can run it into the ground. There's plenty of cases, so that's the example. Yes. But you know, who, at some point, the wheels will fall off this thing, but it hasn't happened yet. So with James Wan behind the behind the helm here with overseeing a lot of this, stay tuned. And then we've got Yesterday, which is a really interesting look at what if the Beatles music didn't exist for, for the world, um, but there's one person who knows their music. That's what we've got here with Yesterday. It's an interesting take, you know. A lot of kids that are growing up today, you think, well, they're not going to really understand and appreciate the Beatles. Well, to an extent, yes and no. People are discovering them. But what if there was nothing to be discovered? Or you were the only one that knew them, and they didn't exist to anybody but you. It does sound interesting. I've yeah. seen McCartney in concert. He he transcends all generations. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really curious how they expound upon that. Very interesting, somewhat odd premise a little bit more, but we'll get to find out toward the end of June. It's then. An inter- I, you know, and this is one thing we've talked about, you know, not every movie needs to be a tentpole movie. And coming up with an original idea like this, I, there was a quote by Bruce like Campbell that. from the Evil Dead movies just a little while ago. He said, the history, Hollywood is a file cabinet that is only 30 years deep. They go in and they keep pulling the same thing out and the same thing out, whether it's a remake or a redo or a reconceptualization or a sequel or whatever. And then you come up with something original like this. Yes, support these kind of movies. You know, Absolutely. This is, a, this is not a tentpole movie. This is not a part seven or whatever, part of an expanded universe. This is a really interesting what if, hmm, kind of movie. A.K.A. it's creative. Yes. Yeah. And if it's got any good reviews at all. Go see it. Sounds interesting. Because that same weekend, you got Annabelle, you know, the spinoff, and now you've got 47 meters down on Cage. Did you ever see the first original 47 meters down? I haven't, no. This was the shark diving movie. It uh, it did go out into theaters. Mandy Moore was in it, and the shark cage gets stuck at the bottom of the water, it di- or the ocean. It disconnects from the boat, and there's a hungry shark circling around, and so you can't just go swim back up to the surface. So you have air tanks that are running out of air. you got a shark that's going to attack you if you go out. It was a really fairly well-done movie, especially the way that the low budget that it was done. It was done effectively. It was good. I think I remember seeing the trailers and some clips from it, but that was it. I will see just about any shark movie there is. I'm a big Jaws was one of my all-time favorites, yeah. so they all get compared to Jaws. But this wasn't a bad movie. Some of them are really like, really, okay, next. And again, it was creative. It was creative, and it was well done. It was about tension, and it wasn't even about the shark. The shark was like um, Orson Welles in The Third Man. He used to talked about in every scene, but you never see him. You know, The shark was kind of like that in this movie. You know he's there. You just don't always see them, you know, rarely. And it was a good, tense movie. Now, whether this is one of those, and there's a, these are a dime a dozen where they did a sequel to a good movie and the sequel was horrible. Who knows? Who knows? I can't say whether it will or it won't. Stay tuned. I haven't even seen a trailer for it yet. But if it can capture lightning in a bottle or if it's going to go the route of Speed 2, stay tuned. Have you seen the... The new trailer that came out for Spider-Man: Far From Home. I missed it. I've got. I've been uh, out of town for the last week, so I've missed it. But I've heard it's pretty good. Oh yeah, it's it's interesting because you can definitely tell we're in a post-end game world when when you see the trailer. And 
obviously Peter Parker was very close to Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. So now it's it's post Endgame, and he's still processing a lot of that. While at the same time, now going on this trip that he's taking over to Italy. And it looks like he crosses paths with Nick Fury and starts to get his world opened up to the greater universe in some new ways. Yeah. You know, and the interesting thing is, is this the end of Phase 3 or was Avengers Endgame the end of Phase 3? You know, whatever Kevin Feige wants to say that this Spider-Man movie will be the end of Phase 3, Avengers didn't even have a post or mid-credit sequence, which was kind of telltale that this is, we're done here. This seems more like, as far as the MCU is concerned, an epilogue you know, whatever fallout from Endgame. But it it very much seems like it's going to stand on its own. It's going to be an MCU movie that it may tie into Phase 4. Who knows? Um, but it's going to be its own thing. You don't, you don't necessarily need to have seen the last Spider-Man movie or any of the other MCU movies to really get this one, as far as I can tell. Um, but the way they did Spider-Man Homecoming, it was a fantastic movie. And this, and the way they've done all yeah. the MCU movies are fantastic. I like Tom Holland a lot as, yeah. as Spider-Man. That's been a good pick. I, I like the way that he gives him that that kid element, although he's he's kind of having to do his own bit of growing up here in these, these movies that he's been in already, and especially with all that's happened. Maybe we'll learn, too, about some of what happened when he disappeared. Yeah, that's true, too. Maybe we'll start to learn more about that. When he turned that. to Ash in Infinity War. What was it like being Ashy? Well, you know. He did briefly talk about it there in the movie when he was trying to quickly explain things to Tony Stark of, of what happened with, like, hey, Doctor Strange told us we got to go. Maybe we'll learn more. Yeah. All right, but- July 12th, you've got a movie written down here that, that has really appealed to you or is interesting to you, and this is Stuber. Stuber looks interesting. You've got Dave Bautista, the former wrestler, and you know him, of course, from the uh, from uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. He was also the bad guy in the last Bond movie, Spectre, um, who's also got some comedic chops we've seen. Yes, so, as we've seen in Guardians, absolutely. There's a movie from maybe 15 years ago called Collateral. It's Tom It's uh, Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx where the assassin hires the taxi. This is kind of like that, except as a comedy. And it's not a taxi, it's an Uber. So you have to have satisfaction with your customer. So you got Dave Bautista, who is a hitman assassin, hires an Uber with his Pakistani-looking driver, and it's... It's, it's Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, it's it looks like it's, it's a mismatched comedy. If Collateral was a comedy, this movie could be bad, it could be really good. Uh, it's just one to keep your eyes on. It's it's too early to know. There's no trailers or anything yet. The trailers tell me a lot. Um, but it's one that kind of grabbed my interest. Stay tuned. It's a good modern spin in terms of concept of taking something from the past and now you throw in the concept of having an Uber and what happens if, if an Uber driver would get commandeered by this this crazy cop who's uh, who's on the trail of a guy yeah this it sounds very very interesting um you know there's we've said something about originality and there's movies where there's mismatched that are their own thing but if you can take a very broad concept and then spin it in your own direction that's original enough i mean there's only x number of yarns really that are out there and then there's all variations of it this is one of those it's a variation off of a mismatch team up blah 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 they're probably going to hate each other but find an alliance with each other and it could be interesting it could be bad stay tuned uh but there's a lot of potential here for it to be good it could be interesting. It could be bad. It's like if it's, it's like when you're cooking and you're not sure how to do this. It's either going to be really good or I'm sorry, everybody, I burned the souffle. We'll see. 
Stay tuned. The Souffle May Rise. <laughs> Good name for a title of a book. The Souffle May Yet Rise. The Dave Brooks movie viewing experience. Yeah. Then we get the subtitle. Then we get to Dead Midsummer, July 19th. It's The Lion King. Disney's on a big remake kick here. Jungle Book, Aladdin. Uh, they did Beauty and the Beast a For couple the quote years ago. Unquote live action. Yeah, the live action, but it's not really live action. There's people in it, but the live action animals are, call them enhanced. The Jungle Book really cracked open this book, yeah. didn't it? But there's a lot of buzz around this. You know, The Lion King, the original, was a great animated show. And, of course, you get the music coming back, Elton John and Tim Rice from the original you know, animated movie. Was that 93, 94, that year that came out? I think it was 94. So, I mean, it's been a long time ago. So we're talking 25 years ago. So now we're back. And... Uh, and it's quote unquote live action. It's going to very much follow the original. They got James Earl Jones back, you know. And yes. So that's a good voice to have back. A lot of other new voices. I don't think Matthew Broderick is back. As it's Simba. a great list of voices. Yeah, that it really... they have when you go through the the yeah. list that they've got for the cast. I mean, Donald Glover obviously stands yeah. out at the top, but they've got Beyonce is going to be in there. Yeah, James Earl Jones. It's. It's a pretty remarkable casting that they've got in terms of the voices. It's, you know, in, in Lion King, it really registered when it first came out. This is seeming to be a playing it safe. You took a great, let's say you took a great movie and let's basically redo it and update it. That ought to be safe and ought to make a lot of money and they may be right. Uh, and I don't have a problem with this kind of thing. I mean, it's the Lion King is sacred territory. It's one of those movies I don't think should ever be remade. However, this is a little different. It's just, I, I don't know. It's uh, It'll be a good one. I would take my kid out to see it. I think a lot of folks feel the same. And If you want to do any updates or do anything with it, it feels like with something like this, do it around the fringes. You don't have to mess with the, the greater story in, in any severe way. But if you end up doing anything new to add on, maybe you just do it around the fringes. But you don't touch source material that especially in the case of the lion king as you're alluding to is kind of sacred in its own way there are some things even if it's based on something like the wizard of oz is based on a series of books and so the wizard of oz was one story from the books they made it into a movie that's great don't ever remake it high school shows great tv musicals great but don't ever come out with another the wizard of oz on the big screen with retelling the story of dorothy gale and the wicked witch and the scarecrow leave all that it's been done and it's been done so well you're only going to do misservice to try to do it again evidence psycho and others like it yes um don't touch it Lion King would be in that category, but when it's Disney and a lot of the same group, a different way, but there's something about, I can't really put my finger on it, but it's a little bit of an exception here that you can get away with it. The way it's being done, it's basically like remaking it for real, for real. But they'll, you, you have pretty good confidence that they'll get it right. Yeah, you know they yeah. will, and it's going to be good, and you know whether it's just a rehash of something from before, but a rehash done well. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Two versions of the same movie that are both great. Yeah. You know, I'd love to see the DVD come out uh, before DVDs go away with both versions of the movie on it. I know? mean, they proved with Beauty and the Beast that if you if you bring back this old formula and, and an old story, but you bring it into the live action realm, people will come see that. 
And to, to quote another James Earl Jones movie, people will come. People will come. Actually, funny enough, that's a TCM big screen classic this summer. They're Is celebrating it? its anniversary. I got to so. get down there to Dyersville and go see that field. It's still there. You yeah. know, I, I want to see it. It's on my list. But now with a little man of my own, I would love Absolutely. to take him. Absolutely. And, and Jungle Book, again, same thing. They made it work putting it into that live action piece so i think i think the lion king is going to be it's going to be huge and, although it's it's around surrounding several other good movies that month and generally they work you know aladdin by the time we're recording this is about to come out so if something starts to fall but this aladdin was one thing lion king's another thing um this is it'll, it'll do great i've been in the theater with the previews playing and you can hear people <gasps> You don't get that with people that don't want to see it. They're still in awe and reverence. With yeah. It. yeah. The Lion King blams up there. Oh, my goodness. They're going. So this this will be a big hit. Uh, it'll seem like 1994 or 93 or whatever year that was all over again. It'll seem like 1969 the following weekend, July 26th, with maybe the movie that has more intrigue than any movie coming this summer in terms of what exactly is going to come with this, and that is Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which has an incredible cast, and the trailer just brings all sorts of nostalgia and yet people are going, okay, there's there's all of this, and that's great, but this is framed against the background of the, the Manson murders in Hollywood. But I, I've read some interesting things on this movie, Dave, and I'll, I'll get into it, but I want to hear just what you have coming in in terms of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, the general story, you know, it's not about the Manson murders. The Manson murders are as much a focus as the sinking of the Titanic and the movie Titanic. It happens, yes. It's a background but piece. But it's a background piece. It's about a love triangle. On It happens to be on board a doomed ocean liner. This is about uh, an actor and a stuntman that are both kind of washed up trying to find their way back to the limelight. You've got uh, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah, and in the background, if you were, if you for those of you that were around back in 1969, when the killings happened and they didn't know it for a while, what was happening or who or why, Hollywood was gripped with fear. Every, your favorite action movie stars and comedy stars and belovable family bankable stars were all packing heat because Sharon Tate who at the time was a big star, and her husband at the time, Roman Polanski, who has since fallen out of grace, but that's a whole other story, was one of those murdered. So it could be anybody. So you can think about the biggest stars in Hollywood that could be next. Nobody knew what was going on. So fear grips everything. And so you're trying to find your way back to the limelight, and oh yeah, a Hollywood star just got slaughtered. You could be next. Who knows how the dynamic is going to work, but with Tarantino... It's going to be interesting. It's probably one that really grabs my attention. The teaser trailer, it didn't really speak to me, but it was more about the nostalgia rather than the story. And I kind of want to see more about the story coming forth in another trailer to get a better vibe on what this movie is going to present and how. But with this kind of a story and with Tarantino at the helm... It's it's chocolate and peanut butter, baby. It's going to go together well. I've read some really interesting things on on this movie because all we have right now are tidbits. First of all, it's going to be at the Cannes Film Festival here is, this month. Yeah, that'll be the first which, real look at it. That's that's kind of big that that they're going to go to Cannes and and have this movie there at Cannes. So that's that's a one place to start. Another is according to people who've read the screenplay, they have been blown away by what they have read for the screenplay and the concept. And here's an interesting third piece. Bruce Dern, who's one of those in the 
slew of people who are going to be in this cast. I mean, it's a typical Tarantino movie. You get a cast of just all-stars that you're getting together with this. Bruce Dern, when he looked at it, said it's it's basically along the lines of it's mad genius, Yeah, what Tarantino has come up with this. And he said it is going to be something that people... Well, he said, just come back and remember what uh, what Bruce Dern told you after you watch this. And it got me thinking. It, it got me thinking of what Tarantino has done in the past with period-type movies, where he plays fast and loose with history in some ways. True. And we've seen that before. So I wonder if he's going to maybe do this, like, what if the Manson murders don't even happen? within the movie there's like to that. what this is pure speculation but yeah, what yeah. if like what if you see because it looks like what what we're gonna get here is this is he's going back to the hollywood that he knew when he was a kid i think is what he's going at here with two actors who are trying to find their way one an actor one a stunt double trying to find their way in new hollywood and they are guys who've gone from television into the movies here in the 60s and they're trying to figure out what their place is in all of it and in the midst of that we're seeing the end of the golden age well what if it's what if it's just trying to grab onto the golden age and enjoy it as much as possible which would be a a interesting parallel to a time now where movies and the golden age of watching movies people are like well is this under attack with streaming is this changing because of streaming various things like that what if we're going to see that play out in a golden age of hollywood sense here and then we're going to see the dark underbelly of what ended up coming with the manson crime that you see throughout this movie but maybe you don't necessarily see the crime itself it's pure speculation but it sounds like we're going to get something that maybe we're not expecting here. You know, you did bring up an interesting point that I hadn't even thought of. You know, in Glorious Bastards, Hitler gets shot dead in the theater. Well, that's not what really happened. Reimagining history. They came up yep. with their own version of it. It's set against a real historical background, but takes the very huge liberties with the facts. That's an interesting perspective. What if the Manson situation, which was a real thing, what if it's presented in a way that didn't really happen, but to go with the story? I mean, because they did it with Inglorious Bastards, could they do it here? That's an interesting point that I didn't think about that could make it even more interesting. Yeah, again, I was reading into it a little bit more because I'm I'm just so intrigued by the mystery surrounding this movie that I was like, I gotta I, I want to figure this out a little bit more. And then when I saw that, it just made sense. It yeah. really made a lot of sense looking at it that way, like. He's done this before. Maybe he'll be doing it here again. But it the the buzz is growing on this movie, and it sounds like for those around it, it. In fact, Leonardo DiCaprio took a pay cut just to be in the movie. Like he hasn't done much since The Revenant, but he took a pay cut of like fifty percent, I think, just to be in this movie because he read it and said. I like this. Well, and he's got a history with Tarantino with uh, Django Unchained. Um, and a lot of these guys, when they work with Tarantino, they want to continue to work with Tarantino because yes. of what he does. Oh, yeah. Margot Robbie said she really, really oh, wanted yeah. to be in this. So she And she, she plays Sharon Tate in the movie, and I, apparently she does a very good job, and Bruce Dern was in Hateful Eight. And so you get a lot of returning characters. Um, kind of makes you wonder if uh, Travolta will come back and Bruce Willis in some capacity. They haven't really done much since I haven't fiction, seen but their names. I, I haven't, haven't seen either. Their names, I, but it would it would be interesting. I was it? just throwing a hail mary there. But hey, maybe maybe the tenth film, 
which is supposedly supposed to be Tarantino's last because he said, I'm making 10 and then I'm done. That could be the Star Trek maybe, film. Maybe, could maybe be. it would be the Star Trek film. Or maybe it would be an all-star cast of all all-star casts coming together. I don't think for him it's about the cast. It is, but it's about the story. It is. And with Tarantino, all of his movies that he's ever done are all projects of love. You can tell just by looking at them. But there's something about this movie in particular that he's it's been germinating for a long time. And it's finally coming around to fruition, which almost makes you think it's going to have extra dollop of love and cherry and whipped cream on top. So this really could be something special. And I'll say right now, of all the movies coming out that I want to sit in the Bemidji Theater and watch this summer, this is the one that's got probably my most attention. So yeah. right now, I'm in the same boat. It's yeah. coming up. So mark your calendars, late July, 26th of July. That's when it's scheduled for coming out time. All right, early August then. Uh, there's two movies coming out around, oh, around do, that time. Well, yeah, okay. The one is that week, and yeah. then the other is that weekend. Yeah, yeah. You've got for another one for the kids. If you got kids that like Dora, Dora the Explorer, she's got her big movie, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Uh, probably don't need to talk too much about it, but the kids are going to go crazy for it. This might be one where parents are like, But, you know, Dora's kind of cute. If you watch the show, it's kind of cute. So keep that in mind just for your kids, if nothing else. That's right. Um, So that comes, uh, that'll be coming July 31st, kind of the same week. And then this might be one where parents are dropping off kids to go see Dora while the parents are going to the other theater. And that's Hobbs and Shaw, which is coming up on August 2nd. Is this going to work? Is this going to flame out? It's Actually, it's Fast and Furious Presents. Hobbs and Shaw, if you want the the full title there, which goes to show just how big the Fast and Furious series has become. Just a quick, you know, Hobbs and Shaw. I was kind, of, I, I still can't help but think of Calvin and Hobbs when I hear about the movie title. Yes, so you know, which is a great comic. The Fast and Furious gang. Long story short, of car thieves. It's a little more involved than that, but that's close enough. They've got law enforcement chasing. Remember them. when they used to race cars? In yeah. Those movies? Well, they found something that kind of works. I think the Fast and the Furious. I saw the first. I saw the first two Fast and Furious movies, and I haven't gone past that, and I haven't seen the newer. Fast and Furious, you know, Fast Six or whatever. Haven't seen those yet, but they've apparently got a resurgence, a la Mission Impossible Three. You know, the first two were good, but they were uh... yeah, and then it really hit its stride. And I think Fast and Furious has done this. So you've got two law enforcement groups that, depending on the movie, is either Dwayne the Rock Johnson or David Stratham. Well, that's them, Hobbs and Shaw. So now it's a spinoff movie with them going after yeah. Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, Idris Elba is going to be in this as yeah. well. Um, with with Shaw's character, it, it just feels weird that they are making it a team-up, buddy cop, good cop, bad cop kind of thing, or b- good guy, bad guy thing that they've got going here. Um, I don't know why that they're... Shaw and his character, he's the guy who killed Han. One of the main characters who people loved in the Fast and Furious movies, and now we're supposed to look at him as a a bad guy going good well uh, it's it's interesting it's a stretch yeah but it's not you know they were guys that were doing the job you know the guy that kills the anti-hero yeah. bad guy you're still facing i mean the movie falling down michael douglas gets you know spoilers gets shot at the end by the cop robert duvall but that's what's supposed to happen you know robert you know uh, um he's set up as the main character through the movie but he's a bad guy through the movie so he's going to meet his maker like butch and sundance you know, you know they're going to meet their maker allegedly at the end 
that's what they do. So now when the when the cop that takes the the hero of the story away, he's still technically a good guy because he's a cop, right? He may be the bad guy, the anti, you know, the antagonist for the movie, but it, it works. It hey, is. Butch and Sundance were frozen in a picture frame. <laughs> so they're still alive in lore. Okay. All right. I, mea culpa, mea culpa. I'm gonna I'm gonna go that route with it, okay? So this could be an interesting one. This could be one that maybe starts its own franchise, perhaps. Or um, it's a jump the shark moment in a, a series that moment. has seemed to have a lot of them and yet is still continued on pretty it's, strongly. It's found some good life. I think uh, the director and writer Justin Lin, who's also touched into Star Trek a little bit, has done some good revitalization with that. Um, but at some point, every cat runs out of nine lives and maybe Fast and Furious with the spinoff or the main thrust is finally getting to that point. I mean, Paul Walker's gone. Vin Diesel, this is his bread and butter. If there's no Fast and Furious movie, Vin Diesel doesn't have a career. So, I mean, I, I'm not trying to be a twit. I'm just pointing it out. <laughs> so, there are no more, there are no more triple X movies. He's, you know, he's got to find something else to do or this is going to be it for him. And it's toasting Coronas and saying, family. Yeah. Even the creation of this movie, he has... He's not exactly been a big fan of this. There's been some tension between him and The Rock regarding this and the family he element that, that they've created. He feels they're going off without the family, but... And Tyrese is getting angry at everybody about this, so... <sighs> anyway, let's let's move on, because that's I'll, a whole other can of worms. I'll tell you one that I'm looking forward to. August 9th. Did you ever read Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? No, but I know of many people who have really enjoyed this and are, who are pretty excited about this movie. Now, horror anthologies don't traditionally work. Now, this has been done before. Like, uh, this, I mean, Creepshow was an example. Um, uh, uh, Tales from the Crypt presents Tales of Blo- Bordello Blood or whatever. You know, where it's 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 one big movie, but the movie's made up of different stories. Right. And traditionally, it's got to have been hit and miss. But Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is kind of like, uh, it's a book of a bunch of different ghost stories that you can tell around the campfire or whatever. And they've been around forever. They're from Canada. And they were it was a really good series of books. And now... They're doing it into a movie style. So it'll be the same kind of thing. It's not any one story. It's a couple of different stories that are told. So it's a horror anthology, but you've got Guillermo del Toro involved in this. Yes. And so right there, you've got a horror movie pedigree. You've got a great source material. And who knows? I I haven't really looked into what the stories are. I don't know if they're taken directly from the book. But the books are popular, and they're nostalgic, and you can still buy them. And they're really good just for a campfire or a rainy night or something like that. They're fairly short, fairly creepy, fairly good. Um, somewhat appropriate for younger kids. Now, the movie may be another thing. This could really be something good. And late, and when you start getting into August, you start getting into more interesting fare because the big, big box office hits have come, and August tends to be a little more experimental. This is one to keep your eye on. Uh, it could be good. And who knows, might come out on VOD or... You know, Redbox or DVD in time for Halloween, too. I know people were pretty excited about the trailer as well as the posters that they had, too, because you see some of the elements and yeah. some of the most popular and most famous stories from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark that are becoming a part of all of that. And it seems like it's going to be an anthology movie that blends together the various stories in its own way into one, into one tale. 
this really could be good. I'll tell. I'll give a special shout out. If you want to see a good version of an anthology horror movie done well, go see Trick or Treat. It's almost like the Pulp Fiction of horror movies. They're separate stories, but they're very loosely connected, kind of a la pop Pulp Fiction. Trick or Treat, Michael Doherty did that. Uh, it is a good movie, well worth checking out. Uh, probably about 10 years old, came out about 2008, 2009, something like that. Anyway, just a special shout out to them. Uh, but Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, coming out uh, middle of August. This is going to be, I want to see it. I'm in. Yeah. We start getting into some creepier movies when you start getting into August. A little bit creepier, and then we've got on August 16th a little bit more comedic, although there's a couple of others that I want to point out. Yeah. But, but you mentioned about... A very interesting movie that appealed to you a little bit just in concept. Good Boys. It seems like uh, a younger version of Superbad. You get a you get these kids that are going to go to their first kissing party, and they don't know how to kiss, and so they steal their dad's drone so they can spy on some teenagers making out and maybe learn some tips. But then the drone has gets confiscated, and they get wrapped up in some sort of a drug deal, and all they wanted to do was go to a kissing party, and now everything's falling apart around them, and they're younger kids that are you know like thirteen ish or whatever. So it seems like a younger version of Superbad. It's probably going to be Superbad minus the Effenheimers. Not as many Effenheimers, but it is going to be R, so it's probably going to be a hard R comedy with little kids. Uh, it could be interesting. It could be one of those movies where you're either going to like it or you're going to hate it. But this, if you like Superbad, I got to get the impression. There's no trailer yet. There's a poster, which is just kind of funny. Um, this could be, and the fact that it's August and it's already got a rating on it, and the rating is prominent on the poster you know which is very unusual yes um i think they knew i don't think that's even the official rating i just think they know it's going to be a hard r and they're like this is what we're going to be and that's what we're going to be and good for them this could be if you're a fan of a hard r comedy that's just going to make you pee your pants this might be it good boys it looks like they're going that route because yeah the the rating is like right in the middle of the movie poster. They don't usually give ratings until maybe a month before. And this is an August movie, and we're recording this in the middle of May. So I think they know what this movie is going to be, and they're embracing it. So it could be fun. You mentioned 47 Meters Down earlier. Yeah. It's got a sequel that's coming up that weekend, too. Are you interested? I'm here. You're You're here. I'm listening. It's called Uncaged. Oh, we, is yeah, what we, it is. yeah, we mentioned that one earlier. Maybe we got the dates wrong because that one I've got written down for June twenty eighth, forty seven oh, meters down, Uncaged. And we actually talked about that one earlier today too. We probably maybe got something out of uh, sequence here. It's I think it is out of sequence because it's okay. coming up um, August sixteenth. Okay. Is, is when it's listed as anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe I got the date wrong. Yeah, we talked about that one, but I think I got the date wrong. I had that for June, so that could be on me. Interesting. So either way, it, yeah, it looks. It, it's either going to, like we said, it's either going to be another good one, a, a really good example of a good movie that lightning might strike twice, or it will be the speed two of shark movies. Stay tuned. <laughs> the the speed two of of it'll shark be the movies. jaws, yeah. the revenge of you shark had, movies. You had briefly mentioned it because we had talked about Annabelle, and then we talked about yesterday, and I think you briefly mentioned yeah. it in there. But it looks like it's now set for August sixteenth. Okay. is when it's going to be. We may have got the dates mixed up on it's, that. That's it's when it's it going to be coming. But um. But then there's also, if you want a sequel, if you want a kid's sequel, the Angry Birds apparently still have some legs, pass. and they've got another movie coming up. Yeah, I'm I'm a hard pass on that one, too. I didn't even see the first I one. I don't think the first one, I think the first one did only slightly better than the Emoji movie, which was a big bomb. Yeah. You know, I think it had its level of success, but not only is the game passed, the, the fad is passed, 
at your own risk. Here's for people who might want a book adaptation. This is an adaptation of a novel that I've I've heard mentioned before, and it's going to be coming up uh, on August 16th, and that's Where'd You Go, Bernadette? And that's going to star Kate Blanchett. Um, it's this woman who disappears, and then her daughter tries to figure out where exactly she went. Yeah. So it, it's a book that I've heard of, don't really know much about, um, but it was it was a pretty big deal when it was when it was released, and now it's getting the movie treatment as well. Yeah, it should be a good drama. Maybe uh, you know potential awards consideration is this far out. You don't hear a whole lot about them, um, but that'll be coming out late August. Worth checking out. Apparently, uh, Gerard Butler is back, and this time it's not Olympus, it's not London. This is Angel has fallen, August twenty third. Where he himself may have turned, or at least is framed to have turned. And so now, that rather than working with the government to put down something bad, he might be the bad thing that the government's trying to put down. Angel has fallen. This is kind of a follow-up to, you know, um, uh, Olympus has fallen, uh, you know, where the White House got taken over, and then the next one. So now this is Angel has fallen. Um, they've done movies kind of like The Shooter was one. Michael Douglas was in one of those where, you know, is he... He's a good guy, but he's got he got framed and things have gone bad, so now he's got to clear his name. So, but like we said, there's X number of story yarns that are out there just told in different ways. If it's done well, you got something good. Is Angel Fallen going to be one of those, or is this part three that's going too far? Who knows? What will happen with its follow-up as we go into September. Yeah, we made enough jokes about it and its title last time around of how many different ways could we say it without talking about the movie it or still talking about the movie it as we are saying the well, word now, it. Well, well, now it's easier because you have it chapter two. That's right. The, the trailer just came out. The electric boogaloo. Yeah. So now if, you, <laughs> if you've seen, if you read the book or you saw the TV movie or you saw the first big screen movie, you know, it's kind of a, a tale of two stories that tie together. It's this sadistic beast that poses namely as a clown that attacks these little kids. And then many years later, when they're grown up, they come back to confront the monster. Well, the TV movie did it all in one big TV movie. And now the big screen is going to be part one was the kids. And now part two, where a lot of those kids come back with their counterparts uh, grown up now to confront the monster. And so... The book is really good. The TV movie is creepy as heck. And the first movie was also really, really good. So this one is going to follow suit. And this was planned from the get-go. Yes. Um, But then it was so ridiculously successful that that just nailed it down in stone. Well, you knew it was coming anyway. I mean, the last thing you see in in It Chapter 1 is coming soon, It Chapter 2. So they knew it was coming. But now it was a question of do people want to see it if the first one was okay. The first one was really good. So people, yes, they want to see it. The trailer just came out and people are, oh, boy, it looks creepy. It's just a teaser, but still it's it's enough to get people talking. And uh, Pennywise, Skarsgård, who plays that role, does such a creepy job with it and does such a good job. Even when he's not in makeup and they people do the smile, do the smile. And you can do it on command. It's creepy. He does a good job. It's a creepy movie. It's a creepy story. It's Stephen King. Um, the Stephen King resurgence has begun in earnest with it. And, of course, Pet Cemetery just came out, and, and there's more talk of others coming. So it looks like all of his works will probably get remade at some point, and it is the latest. Yeah, Stephen King adaptations have been tough to nail with some consistency yeah. for, big screen, for big screen attempts. 
it has been clearly one of the more successful ones that has come around in terms of success at the box office, critical success. It's just been a phenomenon here with hitting the screen in the way that it has. People knew the story, and now they've done such a good job of taking the story and giving it its own legs in a really good vein. Yeah, and it's supposed to be unsettling. I mean, it's yeah. it's got a lot of allegories to it, and so it is going to be what's going to wrap up the summer. It's coming out actually early September, Labor Day weekend, and that you know is kind of the wrap-up of the summer season. It'll kind of segue into the fall. And we'll get around to fall previews in a few months, but uh, that uh, that's going to be creepy. Yeah. Definitely creepy. You know, Dave, um, just taking a quick, quick look at, at the summer list as we've gone through it here, I told you kind of at the beginning, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's a summer full of massive tent poles, and yet the, it's a summer of intrigue, I think. There are some movies here who that I think could hit pretty strongly. Um, there's there's a sense of nostalgia. There's also a sense of mystery with some of these creations that are coming along this summer. Is that how it feels to you? Not really. I think Avengers Endgame kind of lets a lot of air out of that balloon. Generally, usually, um, stati- not statistically, but traditionally, there's been the one big movie coming out in the summer that everyone wants to see, whether that was the original Men in Black or Independence Day or a Star Wars movie or whatever it is. There's usually one big one, but Hollywood starts summer so early now that mid-April is becoming the start of the summer box office season, and I think that's I think that's great. Get some big movies out in the spring, yes, but spring for me would be like mid-May. You know, that's when we start getting into summer movies. So the big, big, big tentpole movie of the summer came out in April. It did. And so that kind of lets a lot of the air out, but this is what I think. You get a lot of great movies or potentially great movies that are coming out. And even doing some of the research for this podcast, there was a couple movies we talked about that I'd heard nothing about until I looked into what is coming out this summer. Everything, the big, the little. And then you start finding things like Good Boys. Maybe it'll be good, maybe it won't, I don't know. But it's got me interested. It makes me want to look forward to it. And I'm a, I'm a movie fan, clearly. I want to find good stories, and I want to I hope you're a movie fan. We do a podcast together. I want to save my allowance, (laughs) get on my bike, and pedal down to the theater and go see a show, which is difficult at the Bemidji Theater, but get mom and dad to drop you off because it's a busy highway, or whatever movie theater's near you, and go see whatever interests you. It doesn't need to be the one that's got all the commercials or the one that everyone's talking about. All it needs to do is interest you, and if you're interested and you want to see this story, then by God, go see it. And that's what, not just summer box, summer is the best time to go see movies, but uh, escape the sun for a few hours. And, you know, it's just, it's a great way to spend a little bit of summertime with some adventures on the big screen, something funny, something thrilling, something scary, something whatever. Go see it. And if it interests you, go see it. And we hope that some of this has maybe brought a couple things on your radar that you didn't even know were coming. That's the idea. That's how we've encouraged people really over the years to do this when it comes to going to the theater is... Find something that is going to work for you genre-wise and give it a try. Or find something that works for you intrigue-wise and give it a try because you might be surprised at what you find then. And with this summer, like I said, some of these are intriguing enough and I think there's a wide enough spread of genre movies that are coming out that it could be a really interesting summer. Um, I don't know if we're going to get any really big ones that hit out of all of this. There's a couple that I would say, yeah, this is... a there's more potential, I think, here 
for this one to do pretty big than some of these others. But some of these others, you like to see those sleepers that, that come along. You like to see the baby drivers of the world that make you go, wow, this is this is something I should probably go check out. Yeah, Maybe we'll get one or two of those out of that mix that you talked about there. I'd, I'd like to think that maybe there will be one or two of those that come along. That reminds me, i got to get my copy of Baby Driver back. I'll loan that to Scotty. But, uh, yeah, you know, it'd be interesting when the summer is over and done, which movie truly was a summer movie that came out, which will rule the roost. If you factor out Avengers, you know, might it be X-Men? Might they make a bit of a comeback and their tracking numbers go back up? Might it be Tarantino? May it be something else that we're not really thinking about? It'll be interesting to see what ultimately comes to pass here. Um, but go see those movies. And especially if you're a young kid and you want to, your allowance only stretches so far at the Bemidji Theater, $5 Tuesdays. That's right. All tickets are $5, even discounts at the snack bar. Um, that makes it even more worthwhile if mom and dad say they'll drive you to the theater for $3. Well, okay, that's your taxi fare, and you still get 5 bucks for the show and hopefully get some popcorn and some beverages as well. Uh, it's a great time. Don't forget... If you've also got some fans that are uh, they have issues with sensory deprivation or you know, autistic, they do the third Saturday of every month. They do a show where the volume is turned down, the lights in the theater are turned up, so it's it's easier for those with sensory issues. So keep that in mind as well. You don't usually get to pick the movie; it's it's one specific movie, but it's one that everyone usually pretty much likes. Coming up next time on Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, Dave, I know you are really excited about this one as you and I are telling each other in both motion, hand motions, and also in Spot words, five. live long and prosper. I'm a I'm a big Trekkie. Yeah. And this is one that's... I am not as big of a Trekkie, but I'm still a Trekkie. I, you know, this is one that I've been a fan of forever. Lots with movies, lots with TV. Um, who's going to have to do his research? I can just pull it out of out of nothing off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm going to have to thumb through the internet. 50 plus years. 50 plus years <laughs> slash the, the internet world and find all these renderings, artist renderings of the Star Trek world. I know quite a bit about it, but I don't know as much as Dave Brooks. So next time around is going to be pretty fun. Delving into the mind of Dave on Star Trek and hearing some of his thoughts about the past, present, and future in, of Star Trek at the movies. In Rod We Trust. Roddenberry. That's a joke. That's Because Gene Roddenberry created Star Trek. There you go. There's, I lifted the curtain on that joke for you. There you go. So that'll, that'll be I the got, next one. I got where you were going with that. <laughs> that'll be the next one. And a lot of talk about uh, some interesting parts of that as well. So go see something this summer. Get on your bike. Go to the Bemidji Theater. Great spot to go. Uh, be very careful if you're going to go down on your bike to the Bemidji Theater. It's a lot of heavy traffic. Uh, better yet, get mom or dad or someone to drive yeah, you. Yeah, or get a ride. Yeah. And tell Missy and crew we said hi. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. We will see you this summer at, at the, the movies. The movies.